Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by a good friend of mine, the bow hunting fiend, Greg Litzinger. Greg is well-versed in hunting the big woods, mountains, swamps, farm country, and really just about everything in between. So we discuss Greg's aggressive October hunting style, locating early season buck bedding, mature versus immature buck bedding, how to hunt tight to the beds, scent control, food source shifts, and many more of the listener questions that you guys sent in. There's a ton of great questions, so I appreciate that. This is the the last episode that'll be that's going out uh, while I'm on uh, the Montana elk hunt, and then we'll get back to, to me being kind of around a little bit more here. So I hope everyone's had a great September thus far. Uh, for for most of you, that deer season hasn't opened up yet. It's coming really quick, so I thought this episode would be a timely one to release now with Greg talking about October strategies and going through and some of his aggressive hunting style. So hope you enjoy this episode. If you like it, leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Thanks. We'll see you next week. 100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge to edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. 
They're perfect for the truck-owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima Overhaul HD bars on top, so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house. You send us a message, an inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. All right, we're live with the bow hunting fiend, Greg Litzinger. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Man, what's happening? Uh, this is like... Uh, how long have you been doing this now? Uh, a little over four years, almost four and a half. Yeah, years. Was your your first podcast. Yeah, That's you were. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Me, me, you, and Tim, and my buddy Rick were. Uh, they were making fun of me because I was like talking with my hands. Yeah, knife hands. That's no, I. Because <laughs> you were like the you're like the fifth or sixth episode that came out, but you were the first one I recorded with. I, I forgot all about that. That you were actually the original number yeah. one, and that was the first time I met you. Was it yeah. that total archery challenge? Because yeah. Tim, who's a mutual buddy of ours, and uh, he was the one who introduced us. And I remember we went yeah. to dinner, and we just we were basically like going across the table at each other, talking deer. We were so into it with our hands, yeah. and we're throwing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. since then we became friends, and I've yeah. had the luxury of sharing camp with you, and we've done a few podcasts now and some other things. So yeah, it's yeah. been it's been cool to cool to see that develop over the years yeah watching you watching you grow is like man i need to uh it's neat seeing people go through different levels and and what people are doing you know and i've been fortunate to be you know early with you clint you know uh aaron believes the fall podcast you know a lot of guys that started out you know still in the doing their thing i was one of the first couple of guests and it's neat looking back at their growth and what they're doing and how their platforms are taking off yeah, no, it's it's it is really cool, and I I love seeing like I love seeing Clint's pro- podcast grow a lot. I don't know Aaron yeah. that well, but it seems like he's doing well. But Clint, Clint and yeah. I have you know we talk all the time. He's such a good dude, and I see you're always on he's, his yeah, podcast. He's so smart. He is. Like, Clint's like like as far as like the the marketing and stuff like that, and it's like I and he starts talking. I'm like I have no idea what he's talking. About. Like I'll just shake my head like Yeah, totally. I get it. No idea what he's talking about. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I talked to him, I don't know, it was last fall when I told him I was going to be going and trying to do this full time. And he's like, 
throwing these ideas and things at me. I'm like, all right, hold on. Let's slow down here for a minute. I'm not, I'm yeah, not. Let me write these down. Hold yeah. on. Let me write these down. <laughs> I'm not following you. I felt like yeah. I was, I've been trying to do the research and come, you know, learn yeah. all that stuff. And Clint's just at a, another level with it. He's a very yeah. intelligent individual. That's for sure. Yeah. He's a, uh, you know, another thing, come good friends, Clint through podcasting and social media. It's nice. You know, he's, you know, come a real good friend, you know, he's only like an hour and a half away. So, we see each other probably not as much as we should, but yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, yeah, then I, what was it? 2019, uh, I was, you know, friends with you and friends with Johnny and you and Johnny were talking a little bit on yeah. social media and I'm like, Hey, you guys want to yeah. come up and do a scouting trip? And we all met up and went camping and, and yeah. it was it's supposed to be a spring scouting trip. That was more like yeah, a winter snow scouting foot trip. Foot of snow. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. I, I had my baby sack. I'm like, I am not prepared. Like the wrong sleeping bag. I froze that whole night. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, that was, I, I don't get in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was John, fun. J- Johnny and his little Jeep wagon. Yeah. Ball tire <laughs> oh man i every time i go anywhere with johnny it's a it's a trip i went scouting with him so we're recording this in uh august and this won't come out for another little over a month or so but uh when i went scouting with johnny and around the fourth of july weekend there just like just watching his just his uh traditional life just going through life mm-hmm. it's just always interesting to me yeah no uh the- <laughs> You guys filmed, did you make a series out of that or that's just little stories for social media or you made we did a YouTube video? Yeah, we did a YouTube video on it yeah. and uh, it, it it was funny because I was like, I, I'm not really that great at editing, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do like a vlog style kind of throw it together. Mm-hmm. What we're doing, we're scouting and it, it did really well and everyone, I mean, when I had my booth at Total Archery Challenge this year, if you if I had a dollar for every person that said, where's Johnny Stewart at? I would have, I would have made more than I sold in apparel. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're a wall for five bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, he's he's great to to get to go out and scout with, and you've been hunting with him yeah. quite a bit now, yeah. last few years in PA, and, and he's an uh, animal, man. He, oh my gosh, he is such he's such an animal. But I'm scared because this year he said that he said that he's getting back to his killing ways, and that's what scares me. Because he was, you know, how he's been chasing ghosts yeah. for the last four years yeah. or so, and he said he's getting back to the way he used to well, be. And that's scary. He's he's chasing building a cabin. That's what he was chasing. Yeah, and and helping. <laughs> and then when projects out there, yeah, yeah, I see you got him uh, some new gear there. Yeah, nice, nice see you. Yeah, yeah, no, he's. He, uh, yeah, Johnny, Johnny, uh, he deserved it. So he's, he's gonna, he's gonna stay nice and warm this fall. He's got some, yeah, some he's, sicko on. He's still gonna wear his green wool pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he probably will. And his rubber boots. <laughs> his, his hip waders. Um, yeah. While hiking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, anyways, Greg, so for a refresher, because I don't think, I think it's been a couple of years since you've been on the podcast. You want to just give a, a brief background where you're at? That, um a little bit of your background with hunting for everyone just kind of your cliff notes version uh let's see uh be 45 so but hunting 30 years this be my 30th season um pretty much primarily a bow hunter uh all you know all over new jersey been a public land guy since well since i started um just love chasing you know deer uh, i like hunting beds uh particularly in october i probably one of the world's worst rut hunters as i've only killed maybe 
five deer in November. All the rest are from October 6th to October 26th. So that's, uh, that's kind of what uh, I, I focus on. That's my strength, October. November, I just hope to get lucky, you know, or hang out with Johnny and he can put me on good deer. Yeah. Well, hey, that's that's a rarity because like I feel like like myself included, like I've grown up a rut hunter and that's like I've spent most of my time and I've been trying to, you know, figure out the October game more and you've you've had a lot of success in that that time period and and uh I mean you got the you got the slogan Buck Beds Matter and, and you seem yeah. to stick to that pretty good. That's uh you know I mean, date myself here, but I remember driving to the, the video store when I was you know, 13 or 14 and written you know, videos on Friday so I can go hunting on Saturday. And Roger Ragley is invading big buck bedding areas. And it really stuck with me. And I always, I'm not a big food hunter uh, primarily. So I've always hunted beds um, and then, you know, run across the, the dead and faults, you know, the hunting beast and Andre and all those guys. You know, it's like hunting a specific bed. It was like, Ah, I was in it. I was in the game, just not, you know, where I needed to be. And then once I started like merging those kind of my way and, and some of what they did it, uh, their methods, it was like, ah, it's really not that difficult, you know? And even looking back now, I think a lot of deer I killed was coming back to bed on, on public. I just didn't know it at the time, but I can go back to some spots and it's like, ah, oh, look, there's probably bedding right here. I'll go in there and there's bedding. I'm like, oh, all right. I was killing deer in the morning, come back to bed, even before I knew what I was doing. I guess you know. Yeah, yeah. You you had you had it figured out without knowing you had it figured out, sort of deal. Yeah. And uh, even like back when I started, like our season was October, and then permit was November. You had to apply for a permit. Well, those some years I never got a permit in November because it was all like lottery based. So I think you know subconsciously I focus all my efforts in October not knowing I was going to get a, a, a tag for November. So a lot of my efforts went into hunting October. And I think this is kind of snowballed out of control where that was just, you know, what I started with and kind of how I ended up, you know, in that direction. Gotcha. But before I get into asking some of the stuff about the strategy aspect, talk a little bit about like the type of areas that you hunt, because you, you hunt quite a bit of different stuff, some different swamps yeah. and some big woods and some mountains. And so explain a little yeah. bit about those types of areas that you're hunting. Yeah. New Jersey is as crappy of a state. It is, I should say on a lot of things, they, they, they put a lot of land aside for whitetail hunters and fishermen and New Jersey, we can hunt, you know, mountains for New Jersey, but mountains, you know, we have swamps, we have pines, we have, you know, the marshes, swamps, salt marshes. There's a, you know, I mean, there's deer all over the place and all types of terrain. So I've been fortunate enough with just, you know, hunt New Jersey to hunt mountains, swamps, you know, all my home state where I'll have to, you know, go very far, if you will, just a couple hours, I'm hunting a whole different type of the, uh, vegetation and terrain and, and deer. So I've cut my teeth in a lot of, uh, a lot of different places. And I set, for me, personal, when I really started taking hunting serious, I wanted to be able to kill deer in all the terrain New Jersey had to offer from the mountains, salt marsh. I wanted to kill bigger bucks. So I set out a goal and I accomplished that goal by killing it big bucks pretty much. You know, every place, uh, every type of uh, terrain New Jersey has to offer. Do you, do you find a lot of similarities between them as far as like how you're hunting? Um. Yes and no. I know like 
when I started taking like uh, driving up to the water gap, you know, uh, started taking that uh, style of hunting serious, my hunting around home got a lot better because I mean, you, you're a mountain guy, you know, if you're 50 yards off, you're not even going to see that deer, you know, between the, you know, the ups and downs or blowdowns or rocks. So the mountains really forced me to really hone into a very specific spot, you know, and GPS is what a, you know, was a wonderful thing because I used to go out with a, just a top of map and a compass. Like I was like a cub scout. I don't know what I was doing. I'm like, yeah, I think this is that ridge over there. It's not over there. I'm just got a compass and a map. Like I know what I'm doing. I had no idea what I was doing. So I was always in the wrong place in the morning. And, you know, and so once the GPS came out, I was like, wait, this is the tree I scouted in spring. I can get back to this tree. But once I was able to get back to that specific tree, I started seeing deer. It's like, okay. You know, and I, my, I became very, you know, dependent on GPS. Yeah, and now and now with Spartan Forge and looking at like the UAV yeah. imagery, you yeah. can pick your tree out. You can look at the limbs from yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's I won't say it's cheating, but it makes uh, uh eliminates some of the legwork. Yeah, you know. No, oh my god! But yeah. I do, I, yeah. I do miss the I do miss the old days of just going out wandering aimlessly and like this looks a good spot. I can find this spot next year. You never find that tree. I probably have three dozen trees that would be. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna come back here and hunt it. Never did. Never found the same tree again. Well, even like the the first GPS is like it it would get you close, but when you're yeah. trying to find an exact tree in you know thick woods, it was not not simple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got or eye shine too in Jersey. There's eye shine everywhere. So even if you put out eye shine, you turn the lights on, it's just like eye shine everywhere. You're like, well, then you're like making faces or like arrows, and I'm like, this. So GPS is nice for that. Get you right to your tree, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I, I can think of this particular spot that I thought I had like all to myself. And then the first time I hunted it going in the dark and I saw the amount of <laughs> night eyes that were in the trees and I'm like, okay, I'm yep. not alone in here. There's, there's yes. other people that are uh, spending some time in here. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's, it's funny. Even around me, like some of the big woods you go there, it's just old eye shining, you know, now all the, not all the tacks are plastic. They're not metal. You know, you walk by and see if it's rusty, you know, and there's eye shine when I start hunting this piece of big woods for almost 30 years, the same trees are eye shine. They still light up in a flashlight and you're like, wow, 30 years later, that thing's still letting off a little bit of light. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. And what about, um, talking about swamps, you know, I know that you do a lot of the, the salt marsh stuff and what about like cedar swamps and some other different types there? What we have, uh. But not, I mean, we won't really have too many cedar swamps where I, I, I mean, I've hunted them, but usually our swamps are just sticker bushes and, uh, you know, waist deep water, you know, and a lot of ag that goes with it. So you have to access it through water, usually by canoe, you know, uh, or long walking with waders because, you know, the everybody's hunting the field edges. So I spent a lot of time getting lost in the swamps. I've seen a lot of, I mean, I've seen some absolutely hammered deer in the swamp but you know 50 yards in the swamp with a bow you might as well be a hundred you know a thousand yards away it ain't doing you any good like hey look a giant buck see you later yep <laughs> you just hear him getting caught up and go through like how those deer navigate those swamps with all those briars and stuff they're like i can't even walk five feet and i'm hung up all my gears and the, the things and they're just going right through like it's nothing 
Yeah, and and I like the swamps that that I've hunted mostly besides when I was hunting Ohio have been like what what I called swamps and maybe there's it's not the right terminology but it's just like marshy areas basically there's not really yeah. any you know wader type environment it's just like big openings that are pretty like yeah. soft and you know yeah. mushy and you get up to your you know up to your knee type depths yeah, yeah. almost like I, uh, the tundra in Alaska like that type of stuff where you're like, uh, there's this one spot we hunt, you know, you have to go in with chest waders and it's about four feet of floating. I call it like biomass. There's no ground underneath it. Like you walk, if you fall through, like you're going up to your arms and it's like, you gotta like pull yourself up and you don't know when you're going through. You're like, Oh man, this is good. Boom. And yeah, like pull yourself up. And it's like, and you watch deer just walk right across that. And you're like, how you have pointy little knives going down in there how are you like staying afloat <laughs> like i'm never drowning and you're like and you're like not fair totally not fair <laughs> yeah they, they've got it <laughs> they've definitely got it figured out and to to their advantage there i'll i'll say that when um so you know with with you having like with you spending a lot of time hunting in october and focusing october what when when you're going in and or doing your scouting or whatever how are you what's like your high level, like thinking about an area when you're focusing on October, like what are the, the things that you're focusing on trying to find? Just bedding. Um, cause I hunt some ag, a lot of, you know, acorns, but a lot of some of the spots just browse much like up where you guys live. There's really no definite food plots, you know, but be it ag or food plots or anything. So deer are just mainly browsers and I'm not the best food hunter, even though I pay attention to it, but I'm looking for thick areas that'll, you know, where I think buckle bed away from people. And sometimes actually even close to people, you know, close to like a parking lot, you know, close to trailhead. I found a lot of good bucks just hanging out in those areas, you know, just waiting for people or it's a spot. No human ever goes into. Like I look for areas to try to, and it's a lot harder now because social media and YouTube, you know, my method of hunting is, uh, a lot of people are doing it. I have a lot of competition now. So I try to find where people aren't going to go. And usually that's where you're going to find uh, the buck sign. Not necessarily buck sign, like buck bedding, you know, because in Jersey, you can kill five bucks per season between the different seasons. So we don't have a lot of old deer to begin with. So these bucks that are two years old here in New Jersey are extremely intelligent. You know, they're, they're crafty. They've, they've seen a lot in a short amount of time. So, they, uh, they know how to avoid people. And sometimes their way of avoiding people are just 50 yards away from where the people are, where nobody's going to go. They're, they're never getting human scent. And to find those spots, it's a lot of trial and error, um, a lot of walking and looking for human signs, snip limbs, you know, boot tracks in the mud. You know, you try to find out, you know, hunt the hunters and usually you'll, you'll start seeing better deer. Cause if you're seeing people, you know, outside of rut, odds are you're not going to see a mature buck here in New Jersey. You know, you might get a flyer here and there, but for the most part, they just, you know, if you see people, you see people and you see a lot of those odds are you're not seeing a lot of bucks. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. And, and like the, the, the people aspect there, like you're in such a highly dense populated area like the most in the yep. united states to be exact yes. and like so that doesn't help uh you yeah. know from from that standpoint at all and I'm, I'm sure that really makes you have to focus on it and it probably helps too then once you get to some of these 
bigger areas, you know, like where I'm at and other places that are a little more open, you're, you're fine tuned on that a little better than we are just because you're just, you're used to it and can, can figure that out. But, you know, I've, I've been focusing more on looking at those areas that, that maybe where deer are watching people. I talked to Joe Rentmeister about this and I'd found some bedding this spring that was like that. And like I was visualizing, I don't know for sure, but like just visualizing it. And we see it now with like, with rifle hunting pressure, people do deer drives all the time. Okay. And these bucks have learned that they don't get up unless you're like almost standing on their back. They'll lay down almost flat to the ground in those clear cuts and not even move. It's, it's crazy how they adapt to people. Like I, uh, I used to gun hunt, you know, probably my late teens, early twenties in the pine barren and a lot of driving and a lot of before baiting was legal. People were still baiting during gun season. And I remember stepping on deer dose out of thick. you know, you're in like, we call it scrub oaks. You're like, like face high scrub oaks. Like you're going through a stick. It's nasty. And you step on something. I've literally stepped on deer before and had them bust out. Like I've been, I had a buck actually come out and he came and, you know, he's almost ran me down. Like he actually hit me, like, you know, and I like fell over, like, and the guy, we were only like maybe 15 feet, 20 feet apart. I mean, he stepped in that buck and that buck did not move pretty much till we were like past it. Cause he was going back behind us. You know, and all the little bucks ran forward and this big buck, I mean, they would literally just tilt their head back and run. I mean, their feet, like, I don't know how they could run that fast. Like they were literally just be on the ground running full speed. And you're like, and they would just tilt their head back and just like run blindly. And it's like, that's just years of hunting pressure. People drive in the same way. They know, all right, I'm going to go through the drivers, you know? And it's just crazy thinking how, you know, speaking of where, how bucks, or viewing people, I think it's almost evolutionary as a survival method. Like some deer, that's the way they were taught. You know, maybe they pass that on after, you know, 10 or 15 years, you know, this tactic works for some deer, you know, and much like there's probably some deer that want to pattern us as much as we want to pattern them. And they sit and watch and they're like, all right, these people go up here. These people go up here. You know, I can go this way. Cause I know these guys are going this way. And it's just, predator and prey are always evolving. And I think this is, you're just seeing these, these animals evolve, you know? Yeah. To stay alive. You know? No, no, I, 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 I totally get it. And you know, when, when you're finding like these areas, like when you're looking for the buck bedding and, and things that you want to, to focus on, how are you differentiating those? Is it mostly come down to that thick cover? Like, how are you knowing like, okay, I think a mature buck would, would bed here. How are you confirming kind of your thoughts there? The things that I, I look for is, is basically like bed size, you know, 42 inches and up, you know, if I don't have a bed, that's 42 plus, you know, and we're not, there's, we're not Midwest here, you know, so the heaviest deer I, was, I, I killed in New Jersey is like 190 pounds dressed, you know, yeah. uh, 192 or something. So we don't have 300 pound deer here, you know, on, on as regularly. So like a 42 inch bed, good size bed, 42, 44 that's my main thing. So if I find a single isolated bed, that's big, I sit in the bed and I think, all right, what wind is this going? Look for the shape of the bed. And I find a lot of buck bed is just on the edge of thick cover. They're just inside of it. So they can look out. Like I think they use the wind, but also they use their eyes. You know, uh, I don't think they're going to limit themselves, especially like in the mountains or where there's a lot of laurel. They never bed in the thick 
part of a laurel because, well, they can't see. They can smell, but they're taking that visual plane out. And like we have coyotes here. So I do believe these bigger, older bucks, smarter bucks, they bed just on the edge inside of cover where they have a little bit of cover in the front, but they can see and they got the wind rolling over their back. And so if I find those big beds just on the edge of cover, I'm like, all right, this is a, this deer's been around. He, he, he's seen some things, he knows some things. So I start with that. And then I look at why he's here, what way, you know, which way the bed's facing. I'm like, all right, this is a, a northerly based wind. All right, he's coming in this way. And I try to start like breaking down the puzzle that way. You know, and you made a good point there when you were talking about the, the cover in association with the bed. I had someone send me something on Instagram the other day that was a picture of a, a buck bed, looked like a nice size bed. And he's like, yeah, it's right on this, it's right on this oak flat. Like it's in this, you know, open woods, like night, you know, I can't believe he's bedding here in the open. And I'm like, well, that's probably a nighttime bed, like a feeding bed, you yeah. know, he's feeding and he just lays down and it's, yeah. it's not, you know, you got to use, you know, there's different context clues that you got yeah. there. You got the, the bed size and then the cover that's associated. And just like yeah. the way I look at it is like, all right, what I, do I feel safe here? You know, what I yes. feel safe here as a, as a buck. And, and they also, the thing that you mentioned about like the edges of cover is it's also something to, at least from what I've found is like, sometimes that edge might not always be on the very edge of a big thing. Say you have a big patch of laurel, you might be mm-hmm. inside that laurel, but there's an opening in there that gives them yes. enough of that, that visual. We saw that during the scouting yep. camp when we were walking yep. this whole side hill that was laurel, we went inside and and found a bed and it was like, okay, all right, well, look, he can actually see about 50 yards down here in front of him. It's yeah. a little bit of a rise and down below it. And, and he yeah. s- still has that, that visual advantage and still considered somewhat of an edge, you know? Yeah. And, and they need an escape route. Like if they're in the dead thick of, you know, uh, I'll quick story. Uh, I killed a, you know, he's three-year-old. He was like 140 inches. Um, and I shot him. I didn't make the best shot. And I let him lay for about six hours. I went back and kicked him up where I kicked him up. He was in the heart of his thick briars. It was so thick. I couldn't get another shot. So he ended up running like another 500 yards. We went back that evening and we ended up like good blow all the way, but he went all the way around. He avoided all the thick stuff and he made this giant loop, almost like an S shape and a giant loop. And he came back all the way over here. He was watching because I got on him. He was watching a cart road for humans. And I came in like the long way when I, when I bumped him out. So he pretty much watched his backdrop. but made a giant circle, you know, and where he bedded, he could see where he was coming from. He had light cover in the back, but he had great escape routes. We had to run on each side. First time he bedded in a sticker patch, dead smack in the center, watching his cart road. And it almost cost him, you know, pretty much me to get another shot at him. But, you know, deer are just really smart. They don't make that many mistakes, you know, like, he made that one small mistake, even though he was dying, he wasn't going to make that same mistake again, you know? And so it's like, wow, these deer are really, you know, and they adapt very fast to what's happening. You know, it, it don't take many mistakes for them, you know, to learn. No, <laughs> not like us. No, they can't. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have the luxury of continuing to live for the most part when we make mistakes. So we continue to mm-hmm. make them where they don't have that luxury. So they have, mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to learn. Yeah. I mean, my, the opening day buck I shot last year after when I hit him back and I had to yeah. give him some time, we went in and had the dogs and we were going and 
watching his track made me learn so much about yeah. that deer and i actually think that where he went to bed down when he was hurt was where he was planning on going to bed for the the day and i was off mm -hmm. on where i thought he was bedding i was thinking more of this hemlock covered ridge and he was where i thought he was at he was actually in the middle of this wide open uh uh goldenrod patch then there was a little island of trees kind of out there yeah. and a little bit of a rise and he and he walked out through that golden rods which was pretty high i mean it was probably yeah. up to his shoulders and he got out just that offside and hooked around and watched back and that's how he saw us and when we came he jumped and went one direction we heard up and backed out and what he did was why we couldn't find him at first the next morning is because he just he acted like he was going one way and pulled the Houdini and then looped yeah. around and he only died 30 yards away back the opposite yeah. direction. But that's was his, uh, yeah. it was just interesting. It was just an overlooked betting spot that honestly, I didn't think anything of it. And, uh, those, those yeah. overgrown fields are phenomenal for betting, especially early season, October is they're tall enough. The frost hasn't killed it. There's plenty of browse and it's, it's tall enough. Once they bed down, like you can't see them, you know, yeah, no, and that's that's one of my plans. Like uh, the next couple of days here, I plan on getting back in there and uh, checking some cameras and moving some around. And I know that there was an apple tree I found last year. I didn't find the first couple of years of scouting in there, and it's like basically in that goldenrod patch. And I was yep. like, man, I bet I bet go. some of these deer are bedding pretty <laughs> close to this and just getting up and and you know feeding or coming back to this. You know, there's an oak ridge up above. Maybe they're gonna hit that in the night. Come down, hit that apple tree, yep. and go back to bed. I mean that's my theory, anyways. So it's and now now your your apples, because here we have crab apples and they don't last very long. Once they start dropping, you got like a two two week window, two and a half maybe, and it's it's over. So it's like I think you know the stuff I find, I always find it always tore up, and I think they're getting while they can, you know, get while they get good because the food's gone and yep. they go somewhere else, you know. Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, well, like where you're at and where I'm at, like apples. That's like putting like opening dairy queen for a couple hours a day like you're yeah. just gonna yep. you're gonna filter all the vehicles in it, you know in that yep. period of time fast and it's gone i mean that's our apple trees for the most part i'd say like i locate probably a dozen apple trees before the season have apples and if two or three of them have apples even by opening day i'm lucky yeah like it's it's yeah, uh, like very rare yeah here in jersey they're usually mid-september most of grab apples are pretty much starting to dry up you know and there's I find like older bucks, once you get a lot of rotten apples in the ground, they go somewhere else. You know, they're trying to spend too much time trying to find an apple with too many rotten ones in the, in the, in the mix. Yeah. And, and I, I struggle, like I love apple trees, but I struggle like hunting them specifically in the early season because a lot of times they're in the bottoms too. And just yeah. like figuring out where they're bedding associated with it. And that's, that's where I've, what I've, tried doing instead of hunting the the apples is more so trying to figure out where they're going from that in the morning or yes. uh in the even in the afternoon kind of trying to cut them off in the the in between there but it's yeah it's uh it can be difficult when they're in the bottom there have you ever wanted to have levi morgan andy may johnny stewart and others available at all times well you can with cyber scout from spartan forge cyber scout is like the chat gpt for outdoors men and women you can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. Cyber Scout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. 
The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. For sure. Yeah. And so with, uh, with some betting, I had some questions that some people had asked about betting while we're on that topic. Do you find, do you find the deer betting any different? Yeah. Do you imagine that questions on betting? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what about that? I thought this was interesting. Like what about weather, not wind based betting, but weather, like does super hot weather change their betting up? Does that like, you might get in the early season does, you know, high winds like that kind of stuff. Do you see that having any effect on I, your betting? I, I do. I do see like from a, like a salt marsh perspective, the high winds, um, they, uh, it definitely changes how they move because, you know, they're, the islands are so far out there. They have to go through just knee high salt grass. So you got this wind whipping back and forth, a lot of movement getting shaken. It makes these bucks super cagey. So when it's really windy. I find them betting close to the mainland, just on the edge. And they'll, if they have to, they'll run out to the islands because they get out the islands, like coming in, it's very dangerous. Um, even the does are sketchy, you know, so, you know, if those are skittish, you know, them older bucks are definitely super skittish. So high winds and the heat, it gets real hot. Uh, like some of the swamps by my house here. I find the bucks bedding close down in the swamp, which I thought was strange. But when you walk the swamps, it's actually a little bit cooler, you know, because you get that little bit of draw down and there might be a, there's any water left there. So always some type of flow or stream. And the bugs usually aren't that bad, which is crazy to me. You would think they'd be worse, but it's not really on the extreme heats. Like like it has been these last couple of weeks. You know, I was out. What was it on Sunday for a few hours and I found the Creek crossing. I mean, it was just hammered up with, with tracks coming and going. And usually that place is like a ghost town, but it's been so hot. There's a little bit of water there, but I didn't get bit up by one mosquito. When I was down in there. It was like the weirdest thing. And I'm like, huh, no mosquitoes. Like, but a hundred yards away, like in the laurels, I was getting lit up by, you know, strawberry flies and mosquitoes. And I'm like, Oh, this is maybe it's a little, cause it's, it's a little more open. The wind can flow through. Maybe it's like the mosquitoes can't like, have that hold on like there's no uh that can stick around a little bit maybe i don't know interesting i've never i've never paid attention to that in any of those areas i mean i've seen i've seen in the the big woods here like the weather really hot weather them staying with like the conifer trees the hemlocks and the pines and and bedding more associated with that than than anything but uh and 
I haven't really seen, at least in the mountains, like as far as them going, I used to have a theory in the summer that I'd run all my cameras in the bottoms because there's water down there. But I realized if mm-hmm. there wasn't food down there, it didn't matter because there's water a lot yeah. of places here. So like, yes. it doesn't, it's not like a watering hole, like you would see in more of a drier place. You know, it was, it was, yeah. it was different, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've, if you've, uh, if you've noticed anything like that. No, I mean, it's all, I guess, area specific, you know, I like the, like the salt marsh, uh, summer, there's so many black flies that the, the bucks of velvet, they don't go out in the marsh until like October when it starts cooling down. Like they're far away from them big open areas because it applies. Ah, okay. That makes sense. What about, what about bedding and like, and I think a bunch of the areas you hunt have like more flatter terrain, but okay. So yeah. like, what about, um, take away the marshes uh and just think about like flatter big woods country what do you find with bedding there is it just mostly cover related at that point um like yeah so we have a lot of laurel mountain laurel uh even though it's flat we got a bunch of mountain laurel down here in south jersey and they love that mountain laurel (laughs) uh they i mean and they're much like where, where you're at you know it's very sporadic bedding they're like almost nomadic you know unless it's like a a designated food source like a hot acorn tree or a persimmon or something like those bucks three to four or five days cycles much like in the mountains where it's like all right they're here well they won't come back for another five days it's very random sporadic bedding it's it's really difficult to hunt a specific bed um you have to i mean once you see them you're like man that's a you know there's a divot it's well worn you're like this is getting used a lot and you might have to sit it two or three times a season and that goes against the whole norm, but with the deer being on cycles, it's, it, you can get away with a few sits in, in my opinion, on a bed, uh, if you're very calculated and how you go, go in and go out of it, you know? Um, and, but the bedding is very difficult, you know, singular bedding, primary bedding is very, very hard to locate. Yeah, no, you know? I, 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 I totally agree. And when you're hunting those when you're hunting the beds, are you a lot of times sitting right over top of the beds or are you like backing off a little bit? What's so I can, sh- I can shoot right, in, shoot right into it. 30 okay. yards. Um, there again, was something that I've learned through trial and error. I've tried to hunt on the J hook and, and like off. So I don't want to disturb them coming in the bed, but I've had bucks come right in the beds from every direction. And my take on this, I've, I've talked to, Zach Farnball about this a few times. Like, let's just say this buck's over here and he wants to come in. He'll usually come in and J-hook in this bed, but halfway through a car comes and a hunter or a coyote and that buck gets chased all the way over here. Now it's getting crunch time. He needs to get to his primary bed. Well, he's not going to take this long way, expose himself to daylight. He's going to get to that bed as fast as he can. And they'll, I find them coming in about 40, 50 yards out of that bed and just stopping. And just staring into that bed and just using their ears and they'll slowly walk into that bed very carefully with the wind, the best way they can get the wind to their advantage, you know? So they don't always necessarily J-hook. Most of the time they do, but other times they don't. So I like to just, I get super aggressive and I'll be 30, 40 yards off. And usually I can cover, you know, I've, I've been off 50 yards before, uh, but I've shot them literally right over seven yards. I got one of the videos on YouTube up about someone back to bed. I was right over top of his bed because it's the only spot I had to hunt that I could shoot into the bed. And sure enough, he came in 
not how I thought he was going to come in, like completely a different way. And he was kind of come in and lay down and I just let him have it, you know? And I was only, you know, six feet off the ground at the time, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I, <laughs> I, I want to, some point I want to scout with you and like, take a look at some of these like setups that you have. Cause I've, I've never done, I've never had luck doing that personally. And I think yeah. it has to do with my setup or my access or something that getting that close. I just, I always get weirded out from it. A but. lot of, a lot of people. Um, and let's see, like uh, another reason I hunt a lot of different areas. So it's like, if I go in there and it, and it blow it out, it's not the end of the world. I have 30 other spots I can hunt yeah. and I'm not, I'm not a, I'm hunting a particular deer kind of guy. Like I'm just shooting mature deer. Um, I'm not like a, like, like Jake Bush or all these guys that can like target on one buck and know what he's doing. I'm shooting the first mature buck that comes in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, and you're dead. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, you're dead. Uh, so my, my methods is it's pretty aggressive, but like I said, it's high risk, high reward. And yeah. I've, I've messed up a lot, you know, but in those mess ups, you can get to learn a lot by what a buck will do when he knows something's not right. You watch what he does. You're like, okay, he's coming in this way. And he caught my ground scent or something. You watch him freeze and just watch how he behaves. And you can really learn a lot by Buck when he's nervous coming in close to his bed. You're like, all right, I've seen that look before elsewhere. And you're like, wait a minute. I was hunting this spot three years ago and that Buck behaved the same way. And it's like, oh, maybe there's some bedding there. And I'll go back. Sometimes I'll find a nice bed. So it's like, it's a good learning tool. You know, it's, I said, I don't recommend it because I've probably messed up opportunities on mature deer, you know, more than I've killed. Yeah. But when you kill it that way, it's like, you know, it's so exciting, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. To, to, to know that you found like the singular bed that he was coming to use and be able to shoot that deer. Like that's gotta be the most mm -hmm. gratifying, you know, feeling that you could, you could yeah. possibly have <laughs> do what, yeah, what, like with uh, those, when you're like picking like a specific bed to hunt for that day, do you, I know you don't focus a lot with food, but do you think about food at all with those like setups or where you're going to? Yeah. Um, I, Looking back now, I think I've been fortunate with the bedding is because I, you know, I'll use like the mountains in Jersey. Like I have good success hunting those beds and I'll hunt there four days, four days, morning and night and never see a deer. Probably because there is no food on that ridge. The oaks were not dropping this year, but I'll go back the following year and it's like deer, deer galore. So a lot of beds I find it is food based. You know, I don't necessarily set up on that. Um, I, now I do. I look at you know, food. I take food into account in my setups. Um, but before it was like, that's, I'm getting to this bed, you know, and it's all or nothing. And like I said, it's, it's low risk. <laughs> uh, I mean, high risk, low reward. But uh, I do a lot more of food-based betting now than, you know, I'm more aware of it, I should say. I was probably doing it. I just didn't, wasn't aware of it. Yeah, no, I, I, Makes sense. I, yeah, I can, I can understand that. <laughs> like that's, it's, it's always difficult too. like, as you start adding all these different variables in and thinking about it, you can get information overload pretty, pretty quick. And, uh, and, yeah, and I know I, data. I, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I struggle with it. You know how I am with data and sometimes I just overload yeah. myself and it gets, uh, it becomes um, a problem. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you can overthink it. And I think like my method, like my buddy, Tony, he, he's an overthinker. He's like, well, you know, the wind's doing this. I'm like, dude, just go in, just go in. You got nothing to lose. You, you're going to hunt this set. You have Saturday morning to hunt. Just go all in. You know, like it's the month of October. Once November hits, 
what you did in October is going to be race. It's like, it's like you get to start all over again. So just the whole month of October to be so aggressive getting in because, you know, once after Halloween hits, you know, it's like, it's like a new game, basically, you know, you get to new rules, new, new, new players. <laughs> <laughs> That that that's such good advice too, because and I know for myself, I wish I could hunt the areas I don't care about as good as I do. Like I wish I could hunt the way I did those areas, the areas I really like am focusing on, like areas that if yes. I have like a really like big deer I'm trying to hunt, yeah. I find myself being too cautious sometimes. Where yeah. especially early in in October, and when then I go to these other areas and I feel like I do better because I'm just I don't care as much and i don't mean i'm reckless it's just that i i take a little bit more risk when that's yes. involved and i've been, and, been thinking about that a lot recently yeah and it's uh, i mean you, i mean you look at someone like johnny you know he's not a uh, a data kind of guy you know no. he's a on the fly i'm gonna just hunt the sign i see and make changes as the day progresses like that dude i'll never forget the first time i'm hunting with him he'll he's like i went down there i climbed the tree ah, okay you know, and I, I climbed down with somewhere else. I'm like, dude, it's like eight o'clock in the morning. Goes, I don't care. I, I didn't feel it. So I went somewhere else. And it's like, <laughs> wow. And I'm like, it's just so, so weird. But after seeing it and then actually killing those deer, like me, him and Jason killed out of that tree in that 24 hour span. It's like, dude, like sometimes that's the way to go. Like if you don't feel it, go somewhere else. Why waste? You know, if you don't believe it, it's not probably, if there's a good chance it won't happen. Like you got to believe it. You're sitting in a tree. I'm like, this ain't it get out, leave, go somewhere else. You know, where are you going to feel that, have that? Cause that makes your senses, you're a little more on, you know, you're, you start dialing yourself in like, ah, this is it. I'm in it. I can feel it. This feels awful bucky. I, I got going on. And that's the whole mindset you got to have. Yeah. You know, so I think that's like a killer's mindset. Like you got to believe it, you know? And my first big buck, I guess would say like it's 125 inch. I remember I was sitting at work. And I was, uh, I had a calendar of a deer, it's a big eight pointer. And I was like, I'm going to go kill that deer tonight. Cause I, I was seeing an eight pointer in a bean field. I was like, I'm going to kill that deer tonight. It's October 6th. Guys were, yeah, right. I was like, I'm going to kill him. So I get to the spot and the wind was all wrong. But I'm like, he's in here. This is it. They're cutting the beans down, down the field. They're, they're starting to turn yellow. I'm like, he's going to leave. So the wind was completely wrong for the spot. I'm like, I'm cutting through the beans. It goes against everything that you would want to do because that's where they're going to be. And I'm like, I'm going to get to that corner where my tree is. I climbed up. I was like, he's going to come out. He's going to catch my ground scent right here. I'm going to shoot him. Sure enough. That's what happened. I hear it. I see him. He goes and catch my ground set stops, shoot him. And he you know, runs like 50 yards and dies. And I was like, but I, I could see it in my head. Even when I went there, it was totally wrong. But I'm like, he's in here. I know he's in here. I can feel it. I just, you know, my spidey senses were tingling and I did what you never do. And I killed him, you know, yeah. I was hunting downwind, you know, but I'm like, if he crosses my scent, he's going to stop. I'm going to shoot him. That's just the way it is. Or he comes out in the field at, at 30 yards. He's going to catch my scent. I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> it was just like, I just believed it was going to happen. And my first mountain buck, I drove three hours. We left my house at one o'clock in the morning. I told, I was working at a bow shop. I was like, I'm killing a deer this morning. The guy's like, sure. I was like, I'm going to kill him. Seven o'clock. Here comes this eight pointer come right at me and shoot him. You know, I drove three hours, hiked two, uh, you know, two miles in, killed a buck and was home by six o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just know, man, you know, you just got to feel it. 
Yeah. You got to believe it. Oh man. The, the whole believing thing. Like I, I get that way. Like there'll be spots I'll get into that. I just feel so good about and the wind just is swirling. It's not doing anything. And I'm just like, I'm sticking it out. Like, and then yeah. like if the wind does shift or do anything, I don't, I don't, I rarely get down. And in yeah. my thought process, I, was like, I try to work with it. Okay. If it is blowing this way, can I shoot to where, like you said, like when he yeah. catches my scent or what's going to, yeah. there's so many different things. And I think if you just, if you try to just move around all the time, because the wind's not doing something you want it to or whatever, yeah. you just chase your own tail and you're not, yeah. you're not going to be, you know, very and successful. Especially where you live, the wind shifts, you know, every five seconds, you got a different wind. So it's like trying to hunt the wind up there. It's, it's, you're just going to lose every time. So you just got to just hunt, you know? Yeah. And you can predict as much as you want. I mean, I pay attention to wind and thermals. Like it's, it's like, like it's the Bible. Like I, I pay attention yep. as much as I can, but you're still not, you, you're, you might get 40% of the way there, you know, like that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that's it, but it, it is what it is. And, and having and that the confidence. Think, yeah. And like the wind, it, it's shifting, you know, what, it's never really constant, but it's your ground scent. I find is super important. You know, you can get away with a, a, a crappy wind, a swirling wind, but if they catch your ground scent, like the jig is up, usually it's like, ah, all right, I'm out. You know? Yeah. So how do you, okay. Let that, that brings up a topic on like access. Like how important is your access going into these spots when you're hunting such a high risk type area? Super detailed. Um, I'll go in two or three times in summer. And walk throughout sometimes because I'm a big morning guy. I'll go in at dark and I don't use iShine. Like now I just use, you know, you know, went from different apps. Now Spark Forge, I just have tracks every 50 yards. I set a new, you know, go to that waypoint and I go right to my tree in the dark. Because in the dark, it looks completely different. You know, you're like, you got to be able to get into it. You got to feel comfortable getting in there. You know, like, all right, am I blowing deer out? Because you go out in July, you're walking into an area and blow some deer out. You're like, all right. I've been in here three times in the summer or even in the spring and I blew out deer. There's a good chance I might blow out deer in the fall. So maybe I need to change how I'm getting in here. Maybe I need to shift how I'm coming in here, you know? And like I said, I'm very super detail oriented to the spot and, you know, the logging, how high I need to get, how many sticks I need, you know, which way to face the sticks, how I'm facing, like, you know, when I use the hang on, I need to face my stand here because the shot opportunity from the bed is from this direction. You know, I can shoot over here, but I don't think it's coming from over here. So being super detail oriented in your setup. So when you get there, you can just roll through it, get up, look, pull out your little, you know, I used to have a little notepad. Now it's on my phone. All right. I need to, I'm two sticks high. You know, I'm facing Northwest. All right. I'm going to hang my backpack like right here in the tree. So when I get up in there, I'm not thinking, all right, is he going to come from this way? Cause we all know in the dark, you know, even report your compass, you're like, is that really north? You know, you get kind of, yeah. you look at it, you're like, that's not north, is it? Because it's easy to get rotated around a tree as you're going up. Like, you go up, you know, your sticks might twist or whatever. Or back in the climber days, you're rotating up and you're like, what the hell am I facing? I'm <laughs> yeah. not even facing the right direction. So, having those little uh, things in your phone is super critical, I think, to, to hunt that aggressive. Like, you need to be super efficient, you know, and take your time. Like, I'm in no hurry. If I got to beat him back to bed, I'll leave my house at three o'clock in the morning and I'll walk at a turtle's pace into that tree. You know, I don't want to rush in there, you know, because he might be milling around somewhat close. So if I get in there two hours for light, just slowly take my time getting set up, you know, no, I'm not in a big hurry. And then take a nap for daylight comes. 
And a lot, a lot of deer I've killed is between from 7 a.m. and 7.45 in the morning. And bucks are coming back to bed from 7, 7.30. I've had them come in like, you know, you can't shoot them in the dark. Like I've had them come in in, in the dark, you know, and I've seen them when daylight gets up. It's like, oh, there's a buck I can't shoot because he's not the buck I want to shoot. But you're like, all right, the plan worked. You know, it's not the deer I want to shoot. Yeah. But everyone I've, I've killed has been 7, 7.30 is like primo. And there again, like they come in and they just watch, you know, for the most part, they just stare, take a few steps, stare, you know, and they're, cause it's, they're, they're in their comfort zone, you know, like, you know, you're a buck's comfortable when he's browsing near his bed coming back in the morning, you know, you're like, all right, this is, he's comfortable. He spends a lot of time here, you know, it's his house. Well, I'm shooting a new bow this year and I am pumped. After playing around with a buddy's Hoyt RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Go Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact Cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out at, or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Yeah, no, and, and that's the, the details you're talking about putting in the notes in your phone. Like I marked that at all my waypoints when I pull up spartan forge i have the tree that's marked i do the same thing i need to go you know three steps high and even the distance i have yep. spread apart because that can make a big yep. difference because sometimes yep. i'm taller i feel like than other days when i'm putting yes. things in or shorter and uh i don't yep. get to where i need to be and like having all that stuff which way you're facing all that stuff just like makes makes such a you know those are those little details that that'll make a break and and the access standpoint, that was one of the questions someone asked. So I'm glad you brought it up about going in a couple hours before daylight yep. and making sure you're in and you're set up and you can take yep. your time and, and be able to yep. do that. I think that's, but you don't use a headlamp at all. Yeah, I use a green light. Okay. Um, green light. But it's, a, it's not a super bright light. Um, it, the red lights, the green light gives me a lot of peripheral versus the red. I don't know why, like a green, green LEDs seem to, outcast here a little bit because i use green you know mainly for this type of vision so i don't get like you know whipped in the face by a stick or a rogue spider sitting there and you know <laughs> for the red uh, yeah because that that can make or break your heart you feel that thing to slap side yeah. like Ugh! yeah yeah so um but 
you go home at that another point. thing is yeah <laughs> i'm done time out i'm tapping out but another thing i, I could say is take a picture of your tree in the dark with, with whatever light you're using white light red light green light and take a picture and have it on your phone because you get to your tree you're like all these you know phones and gps get you close but not to your tree if you can have a picture of your tree what it looks like in the dark you're like all right that's i gotta get in that pine right there because there's that limb that's 12 feet up you know so because if you're 10 15 feet off the tree like you're can screw yourself in the thick stuff like you're not you all that work for nothing yeah so you got to try and like make sure everything is perfect you know and you're in an area that can use eye shine hey use eye shine but um i don't use it you know, you know mainly one, for that reason with the picture too one thing i do now that like phones have like the wide angle lens you can get more of the tree yeah. in there because mm-hmm. like sometimes the base of the tree will look different or there's a branch that's like 10 feet up that that'll give you that, yeah. that you, you can recognize it at that point. So I'll like try yeah. to get back far enough that I can figure out what that tree looks like and have that yeah. picture in there. So when I'm there with my headlamp and I'm scanning up and down the tree, I'm like, okay, that's my tree. Yeah. You know, or you're starting to panic. You're like, is this a tree? And you point at your phone you're like, yeah, I don't see that branch, you know, but you look around you're like, Oh look, it's right there. Like you were in the spot, but you were just like, I got to get up in the tree, you know? And then every once in a while you still get screwed. You get up there yeah. and you're, it becomes daylight and you're surrounded by brush. There's no place to shoot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, every morning's are great. You're like, man, this is it. You get daylight. You're like, what am I? And look around you're like this, nothing looks familiar, but you're just like in the laurel and stuff like that. Like, it's just so thick, you know, it's you know, eight foot tall, 10 foot tall. So you go 15 yards, one direction. It's like, you're in a whole nother County. You're like, where am I? You know, and you see like deer feet or you just see like the deer feet moving. You're like, I see deer, but all I see is feet because it's just a wall of Laurel. And you're like, cool, Greg, way to go. Way to wake up at 2am for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so how much do you, do you, uh, bring like scent control into it do you think much about your own scent control or is it more access related um i worry about scent a little bit if i'm gonna be hunting over scrapes you know right around like halloween time i know i'm gonna hunt the scrape two or three days i try to like I wear the rubber boots you know I, I don't wear them in the house i have them in a you know container in my truck and that's really the only time i, I worry about scent control and i did scent control thing for years and i do believe it, it it helps not necessarily in eliminating my scent, but I think it would scent control and like Evercom and all the other like comic sense out there. Like I'm a, I'm a firm believer in comic sense because scent control, a little bit of comic scent. Like if they do catch my scent, you know, it's not like Defcon five. It's like, all right, it's 12 hour old scent. Like that, that buck might be like, and it might give you that little bit where he's like, let's stop for a second, take a few steps. And you might get the shot off. Like it's not eliminating your scent. It's just making the scent break down to where it's dated, where he feels, all right, it's cool. It's safe. It's, it's all, you know, that's from yesterday. And he's not in here now. Yeah. You know, like, like the, I don't, the ever calm. That's funny. I, I've, I don't think I've ever talked about that in the podcast, but I always have a little stick of ever calm that yeah. I put on the, fr- I put it on the front of my boots on yep. like the rubber rand because I still wear leather yep. boots, but I'll put that on the front. Yep. And I don't know if it's just a mental thing for me, if it actually helps or not, but I do do that. I've killed two bucks uh, on the wall here using ever common leather boots and calming scent was the one I had, uh, what's the other one? The deer dander. Yeah. But yep. my first mountain buck, I, I put it on my boot and I got lost in 
you know, cheap, like I said, old school green hour GPS Garmin, you know, it's like a little yeah. screen like that big. And I'm like, where's the tree? And I was like, I did this loop around the spot looking for a tree. I was hunting the, I was hunting like 50, 60 yards from a bed. I was like, I need this pine or whatever tree it was, was like, cause he's going to come up over here. So I did like a giant loop and got lost. I'm like, so I'm like, I, it's that tree over here. So I made this, I was all in this brush and that's where that buck was eating acorns. And I'm like, he got a little, little edgy, a little nervy, but he just kept eating acorns and came right to me, you know, and I was like, boom. And my biggest buck to date, same thing. I came into scrapes October 26th. I went straight scrapes down. So I mean, I put, you know, I used to hunt with a trapper and he puts Evercom on the inside of his boots, like a deer, like uh, hawks of a deer. So he puts it, you know, on the legs. So he's going up and down leap scent. So I did that. And that buck came right down the trail. I walked on, he smelled some of the stuff, but he went right to the scrapes and did his business. And I ended up shooting him. So I'm like, there's something to it. You know, you know, granted the one was close to the rut, but the other one was October 20th. So I'm like, well, I mean, October 20th year, he should have been kind of wary and spooky, but no. So I'm a firm believer in that time of year with the, the ever common, the best scent control you can possibly get. But if you're hiking two miles in, your scent control is kind of pointless. Yeah. You know, you're sweating like a pig. I, I, I know I haven't, I don't do a whole lot with scent control. I could probably do better with it, but I, I used to like change the truck and have everything in the bins. And then I, yeah. I, I don't know if I got lazy with it or I just wasn't super yeah. convinced that it was doing a whole lot for me. So I just yeah. stopped basically. I, I washed my clothes and scent free, wash i don't i don't yeah. put i don't throw dryer sheets in or anything but no. uh uh i just i do that and then i'll like spray down the truck is like a mental thing yeah. like i just spray my shit down and, yeah. and uh when i walk in and that's that's really like, about all like I, my do yeah i keep the wipes you know from like all the the backpack style hunts for whitetail it's always the wipes I always have wipes in my bag if i'm super sweaty i'll just wipe my face because I have the wipes in the bag, not necessarily it's a set control thing, but I'm like, well, I'm sweating. You know, I want to just wipe down because I'm dying, you know? And it's like, yeah. well, why not use those wipes? I have them. So it's like, I'll wipe armpits, my face, I throw the thing back in my bag, but I don't know if it's like a, a mental thing, but it's like, I could probably use baby wipes, you know, and probably get the same type of results. Cause you know, if you're hunting the wind, you don't really need to worry about it. Yeah. But no, I, I, that, that makes sense. Actually, that would just be, even from a comfort standpoint, early season having those—that's mm-hmm. a—that's a good idea. I, I have not yeah. done that. And yeah, it's like usually they're kind of cool too. So you get it's like sweat, and you're like, ah, that feels good. Yeah, you know? that's what a I'm lot saying. of times. Like, I'll take my t-shirt off. I'll walk in with like a cutoff shirt on. I'll take that off, and you know, and I'll just stand up in a tree and just hang out. You know, bare chested like a Viking. You know, and then wipe down, put it in there. You know, cool off, and then you know, put the like a light long sleeve on and good to go. <laughs> that's that's hilarious i like that i like that uh I'm, and i carry those dude wipes with me anyways which are unscented like yeah. wipes yeah. for going to the bathroom so i'm like yeah. hey just you know yeah. donate one of those to a good cause of you know wiping you sweat down yeah no and I, too, I, I know like with uh the hats like i, I don't walk in with a hat because i don't sweat so i always you know take my hat and i attach it to my backpack you know that's about so i don't i don't, I don't like sweating in general so I'll walk in. It'll be like November. I have a t-shirt on. Like I'll be freezing walking in. Cause I know I'm going to start warming up, you know, and I'll get chained at the bottom of a tree. I have no problem leaving ground scent bottom of a tree. Like I'll walk in like 20 degrees out. I have a t-shirt on. I'm like, I'm going to start sweating here any minute. 
sometimes you do, sometimes you freeze, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I always, I always just wear base layers as I'm going in, maybe a light insulating layer over top, like a, like a hoodie or something, which really cool. But like, I don't, I don't walk in with bibs and big jacket on. I've yeah. always packed that in and I put it on yeah. at the base of my tree. And that's why when people are like, Oh, do you wear your saddle? And I'm like, not unless it's early season because otherwise I'm going to have to take it off to be able to throw on my layers. Anyways, I just pack all that stuff in, attach it to the outside of my backpack. And yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like I'll, I'll use a saddle probably 50% of the time walking it, you know, just for some facts. Like I know I got to change when I get to my tree, you know? So I was like, ah, all right, well, you know, if I don't, I'm like, I'll be fine. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll walk in with the saddle, but for most part, everything is my backpack. Yeah. Well, so I, I want to, I want to transition the last like section here. I want to talk to you about is, uh, um, with food sources, like if, when you're hunting, say when you're hunting the mountains in New Jersey and stuff, and you got like these big Oak ridges, does it, what do you look at? Like when you see an area where there's just like a ton of acorns, like everything's covered in it. Do you, do you have it? Does that change your hunting at all? I hate it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's so much food. There's overabundance of food that deer don't need to move much. Like they'll get, I mean, they'll get up even the does. Like they just don't move much when there's too many acorns. It, it makes hunting up there. There's not a lot of deer to begin with up there. Um, especially older bucks, you know, uh, cause you get PA, you get New York and New Jersey all shotgunning up there and you can shoot a spike up there doing six day firearm. So deer up there get hit pretty hard. So there's a lot of acorns. I, I dread hunting up there. It makes it really difficult because they just don't move. Like you might see deer, but they might only go like 30, 40 yards, in like two hours. They're just like just steady eating because, you know, it's like going in like hunting the soybean field, you know, there's just food everywhere. So they just kind of wander. There's no like rhyme or reason. You're like, no, come over this way. And they, as always, they never come your direction. You're like, eh, I'm going that way. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. thanks. See you later. See you next year, maybe. All right. So when it gets, when there's a lot of food, I'll try to find where there's smaller pockets of food. Like I'll, I'll walk some hiking trails and look for, you know, deer crossing the road and like acorns on some of these fire roads and, and hiking trails, just small little isolated patches. I'm like, all right, there's a small isolated patch here. There is some bedding up here. So I'm going to go hunt this area up, up in this direction. You know, it's just kind of a small singular point. Uh, for the deer to come to like an apple tree or persimmons or something. Yep. You know, when you got 10,000 acres of acorns, I mean, that's a lot of luck, man. to shoot a deer with a bow, you know, you just have to be, you just have to have to be where he's going to be. And there's a lot of luck involved. In that. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a good point is too, is like the secondary food sources. Like a lot of times when I look at something that's completely covered, there's two things I do. I either go to a different area um mm-hmm. or number one or number two of yeah. uh, finding like something like it would be uh like beech nuts that might be dropping yeah. in on an area closer to the actual where i think you know one of the bedding areas might be like yeah. beech nuts or black cherries they typically drop pretty early though so you have to catch out like first week of the season or some other sort of uh, you know, food yeah. source or even like browse, like a lot of blackberry yeah. briars or something that's close to bedding. Like, okay, maybe this is just that other compounding thing that might yes. help me there, but it is a struggle. Like those, yeah, I, like, I hate, I hate areas that only have 
big like hell and have oak trees and that's like yeah. their main food source because when there's no yeah. oak there's no acorns that they're yeah. completely desolate out of the area that yeah. sign that you found in the spring it's no good yeah. anymore um so and, that's tough yeah i'll like I'll, if it's you know because i'll go up to like north jersey or it's, it's a three-hour drive for, basically for me so i get like thursday friday saturday hunt where i have to hunt there so there's acorns everywhere i focus on terrain like I kind of, I'll back off the beds and I'll try and focus on pitch points just for a, a gaze. It's like, all right, I know they're going to funnel deer. It might take me two days of sitting here, like sun up, sun down because they'll wander all throughout the day in the mountains. So it's like, for me, it's a, it's a better way to gauge deer movement. Like, all right, these deer are coming up over here, but they're going up over here. So, you know, last ditch effort in the last day, I'll go hunt where I've seen some deer, you know? So I try to focus on terrain if uh, there's food everywhere. No, that's that's a that's another good good point. And one one spot, and this is very specific to a particular area, but the concept can be relevant. Is like when Johnny and I were scouting an area in the summer here. It was this giant clear cut, but they had herbicide sprayed it. And by the time this comes out, there'll be one that comes out with Kenny Kane explaining a little bit more yeah. about this stuff. But so they had sprayed all of it, but they left these corner pockets where they didn't spray. And the browse was just like phenomenal. It was green and thick and briars. Yeah. And Johnny and I found a bed that was in that video. And you could just see where all the blackberry browser nipped off like that that buck mm -hmm. was coming back were you talking about being comfortable probably mm -hmm. you know feeding before he lays down that would be that spot like we yeah. had we had trees in, and then here's johnny's you know love his thinking <laughs> of anything he's like he's like all right that's how i would come into it he's like i go through this herbicide spray because there's not gonna be any deer in there so like okay great yeah. access come in yeah. come to this little like little tiny drainage of like where a creek went down through when i say creek it's it's actually like a uh it's a, a spring. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is like a spring basically. <laughs> like you could step across yeah. it and it's just yeah. like this little thing of thick woods where they didn't cut and sneak into there at day, like after daylight when he's almost back into his bed yeah. and then slip up into that tree and wait for him to get up. And you can't get close enough to that bed to shoot from that spot. Yeah. But he goes, once he starts wandering mid morning and start feeding inside yeah. that cover, you could be able to get a shot at him. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really good, uh, yeah. thought process on early season there. Yeah. And I mean, last year I said, uh, opening day, I was hunting a clear cut at Johnny's place there or, you know, we're near his place and I was hunting in the evening and I had that buck come up and he came out. He just, you know, field came right. He came right to me, but he went left through and late October I went back in there and I seen where he was coming into this clear cut and it was all rubbed up, but you can see where it, his, he had a browse line going right into it. I found I went right into his bed. He had those two big rubs going in, and it was a browse. It was all just nipped down pretty much to nothing. So he was probably there all September and October until you know that all the the leaves died off and he went somewhere else. But it was kind of neat seeing that, you know, in late October, because you can still see where they were nipping, you know, because it's just it just looks different. You're like somebody went in there with snips, and I was like, Man, this deer was going in and out of here on probably every morning. He was bedding in that bed. I'm like, that's pretty cool, you know. Yeah, going in that clear cut bedding and some thick, nasty. Like, I mean, I don't even know how I was getting in there. I'm like, this dude was just living in this 50 yard section of clear cut. You know, it was all of them little sections. He was just in one section, and he just browses his way in and browses his way out. Interesting. No, that's that's cool. And then after like the leaves are off like that, you can see it better yeah. than than you could yeah. Yeah. during the season. And you know, and I think that that brings up another thing is like I. I 
the I get a lot of questions on like specific browse type and like a lot of times I don't know the specific browse type. I just look at what they're feeding on. Like you just see it yes. like, and, yep. and not try to get so, and, and I get it as far as recognizing that in other areas, but a lot of times they'll like when I was talking to Kenny, that podcast that'll be out by now, the amount of new growth trees that deer prefer and feed on is more than there's not. So like, yeah. it's basically when things are at feeding level that are coming up, yeah. most trees and, and things they will browse on and they will, they will feed yeah. on it. So it's like, for me, I just look at it like, okay, what are they actively doing? And you can see it by them nipping off on stuff. Yeah. And it's just pay attention to those little details and that make that's like with phones, you take a picture of it. You're like, I don't know what this is. I'll take a picture of it. And next time I see it, I'm like, wow, okay. That tree, like, and you see that plant sometimes. Like, I, I see it around here. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I'll take a picture. And I'll go somewhere. I'll see it in, like, a gas line. And sure enough, I start looking around. You see all the little nipping. So I'm like, all right, whatever it is, they love it. So it's like, all right, it's a, a, a good evening sit. Like, after work, I can go in and sit on this gas line and watch these deer do what deer do. You know, it's pretty you – know, technology, it's nice having some things <laughs> that we didn't have, you know. 20 years ago. Yeah. Like that, that app I talked about the scouting camp picture this. Yeah. that I take yeah. a picture. I just did it. We we're standing outside. Uh, it was my grandpa's birthday party and we were standing outside this winery and my dad and all my uncles looking at this tree. They're like, what? that's an ash. No, that's this. And they're going back. I said, I walked up and I took a picture of my, like, <laughs> Oh yeah, it's a, it's a black ash. Yeah. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> you could just figure it out by looking at it, but yeah. with, with your phone. Um, but it's yeah. by doing, yeah, by, I, I wish, I wish, um, picture this had like an affiliate program or something. I feel like I could sell a bunch of deer, a bunch of yeah. that for, just yeah, for, for deer. Yeah. <laughs> picture this just for deer. We'll get, we'll get Bill to build it in this, the Spartan Forge app. He's got the AI there background. I'm sure he can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Kenny, we need some advice. Give me everything to eat. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but uh, um, uh, what was I going to say about? I think that was really about it on browse. But I just had a couple, a couple last questions here, and then mm -hmm. I'll let you go for the night. One's going to be from a listener, and then one's from me. So one of the ones, uh, I actually got a couple questions on this. Was like, okay, I'm only seeing young bucks and does. What am I doing wrong, or what do I do next? Leave. Um, in my opinion, if you're seeing young yearlings and does um, and smaller bucks and bigger bucks aren't going to be around, they're, they're, they're loners. So they're going to be somewhere else. It might only be 50 yards. It could be 150 yards. But if all you're seeing are those type of deer, either the big bucks aren't in the area, you know, or they're avoiding the, those deer um, because they said they're, they're just secretive creatures, uh, especially in like, high pressure states, you know, uh, Midwest. I mean, you see it on TV or, you know, you even see it down South. Some of these like managed farms, it's completely different. You see all different age classes in the soybeans here in New Jersey. You know, even in Delaware, you'll box will come in the field here. All the does and yearlings would be there's separation. There's always like a distance in the two. Very rarely, um, rarely will they mingle. They, they will mingle, but usually there's just like, all right, you guys over there, we're going to be over here because, you know, younger bucks and they're trying to mount does, yearlings are running around. The older bucks are on like survival mode. Like I want to eat, look, eat, look. They don't be bothered by the little yearlings running around them, like stirring the place up. You know, like, yeah. they'd probably have a heart attack. <laughs> Man, I would, I would give the exact same advice as like, or, or the other thing is just like find thicker, 
yeah, yes. find, find thicker security cover. Yeah, security. If cover. you think if you if you think you're in thick cover and are seeing a little deer, either it's not thick enough or there's just not a big deer in that coming through that area. Yeah, you know, and like there's not a 140 inch deer, uh, especially here in Jersey. You know, I don't know where that listener is from, but if you're in a, a high pressure state, there might not be 140 inch deer in your area. The biggest deer might be 120. So you gotta you gotta know the area too, what you're you're what you're getting into. Like if you're like, I want to shoot 180. If you're in a county or a zone, there's been 180 killed in 100 years. Odds of you shooting the 180 or seeing one's probably not that good. You might want to go look somewhere else. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's that's exactly right. Like there's you got to you got to know your area and what and even the age class and structure that's mm-hmm. that's there to to make the difference. But um, no, I think I think you answered that one pretty good. Um, the other question that, okay, so here's one that I have for you is just like, it's pretty, pretty standard question, but like, what do you think the biggest mistake people have hunting early season or, or maybe just like, maybe if it's a couple of them, why there people don't have as much success, you know, public land early season. I think a lot of people, early season is different monster. It's, you know, it's not the rut, like the bucks are very, you know, particular in where they're betting, where they're moving. So, um, a lot of people, like I said, you know, like you said yourself, you're a rut hunter. A lot of your, is the rut, like October, these bucks are completely different. So you need to put yourself in betting the food. That's all they're doing. Food, betting, food, betting. They're not deviating from the plan. You know, they're, they're food and betting. They're packing on weight. They're, they're getting their body ready for you know, the, the winter and, and the rut. So learn food, you know, learn what they're, they're eating, uh, their preferred food choice and learn where a big box bed or how they bed in that area, you know? Um, and I think you have some success, you know, it's, you know, mid October, things kind of change, but you know, October, you guys like oaks are dropping late September, early October, it shifts, testosterone shifts, the bucks break up, you know, so Jersey, we're second week of September. So they're, they're still bastard up you know, in Delaware and these states that open September 1st, like they're still in summer feeding patterns. Come October, these deer have already transitioned away from that. You're all summer long. You're like, I got all these great pictures and come, you know, the third week of September, it's just, they just get less and less because they're off in their October bedding. You know, the food changes. Uh, the best analogy I ever heard somebody, I don't know if I heard a podcast or read it, but every two weeks, your, your, your mindset should change every two weeks. Once October hits, hits, you know, hits, you're going to hunt this area for two weeks. going to go somewhere else for two weeks because the foliage is changing. The food's changing. The pressure's changing. So every two weeks, the deer change. So you got to just like follow the deer. Yeah, no, that and it kind of makes total sense. Yeah. You know, and like I said, that, that shift is a lot of like, I struggle with shift here in the big woods because they just vanish. They just, I mean, they hate each other. Once like the third week of September hits, these bucks are like, I don't like you. I don't like you get away from me. And they just, I don't see a big buck, you know, for the most part with other deer towards the end of September, they're loners for the most part. Yeah. If I could, if I could hunt Pennsylvania big woods from September 15th to like the 21st, I feel like I could have an opportunity to buck every year. Like it, 
I feel like they're they're a little bit more patternable at that point. And yes. then it's just like, yeah, like you said, it's completely trying to refigure them out again. Yeah. And sometimes they don't shift that far, but their their patterns yeah. are different enough that your cameras and, and whatever else you're using for Intel like changes yeah. enough that it and infuses. The, and the, any buck that's been around, like he knows what's going on. There's more pressure in the woods. Like he gets it, you know, like you can get away with your set come June, July. But if you start getting into like, mid-September that buck's like wait a minute cooler temperatures like I know what's happening you know and they, they go into like little survival like yeah you know what I'm gonna bet over here now because you're on to me like you're 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 it's too close for me I'm gonna go somewhere else I'm still gonna feed that one food source but I'm gonna be betting you know 50 yards away you know and, and hitting that food source differently yep no but like that 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 shift is tough to hunt like New York is the same way like October 1st if you catch it just right like my buddy Rick up there like when he catches it just right They'll shoot monsters. He gets that shift just right. I'm like, all right, they're going to shift over here. I'm going to hunt over here. And boom, when he's on them, he gets that shift where he thinks they're going to go. He's on them like the first week. He takes the first week of the October off, but that's their opening season. And he goes, they're so patternable because it's like, all right, they're still embedding the food. But if you're hunting over here and that shift never happens or they shift somewhere else, like he, he's not seeing the big bucks, you know? So it's a, you got a little bit of luck involved, you know? And cell cameras and cameras, you know, it, it definitely, can help out for sure you know and that with my camera's strategy to like help with the shift is like i'll have them like spider webbed out in different areas yeah. and leave them all year knowing that maybe one of those cameras is only good for a, a week or two window yeah. and that's it and i don't really i don't most of the time well you know there's not a whole lot of cell service so i don't really use that much as far as cell cameras go but i use it for that data next year. Okay. If conditions are similar, whatever, you know, it just gives you a little yeah. bit more of a, a play into the, yes. into the game there. That's for sure. Yeah. But that shift is tough. You know, like with anybody that can kill consistently, like in the first week of any season, like it's an art, man. It's a skill. Um, you know, like I was on them last year in Delaware. I just ran out of time. You know, I just had to get back to work. So this year I was like, it'll be like the same thing, but, it's completely different. It's all different ag where I'm hunting. It's all beans this year. It's all corn this year. I'm like, sweet. I kind of hunted blind last year. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do the same thing this year. Find some beans and just walk the edge of the beans, cut a big track and head into the woods. Find you know, and just like just set push. up, shoot yeah. them. Yep. Yeah. Strategy simple. That's too, like, <laughs> yeah. If, and you know, another thing that might help people out is get away from your cameras a little bit. Like the cameras are only showing one. You know, you're not seeing that whole area. Like he's still be coming through here, but your camera might, is only going to focus on this, but he might be 50 yards this way. So, you know, like you're in an area, there's some good buck sign, like still got to learn like big tracks, fresh tracks. Usually cameras are nice, but if you're not cutting big, fresh tracks, you know, you, you got to go where you're going to cut big, fresh tracks. Yeah. And that's, man, that's, that's exactly, I don't know if I talked about it on a podcast recently or just talking to everybody about yeah. deer, but, uh, it was like when I was talking about when I, a, a test I did where I clustered cameras, but the buck I killed last year was like, there was a hillside and down the other side, just a valley. And yeah. I ran like seven cameras down yeah. on every level going through yeah. there. And he only used like one or two trails that I yeah. got him on. And it wasn't that big of a spot. So like, if you thought about it from that perspective and you had one or two cameras in there, you're missing it. And I'm not saying that that means you need to have 50 cameras. All I'm saying is that yeah. that means that 
you you might not be that far off. It's just like yes. the thing about even yeah reading tracks. How big of a deal yeah. is that? It's something so simple that people yeah. have been doing for 120 years that gets forget forgot about. Yeah. And you know longer yeah. than 120 like years forever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we were on white tails 120 years. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, and that's you know like all these deer on my wall, not one were killed using a trail camera. Um, it was cutting tracks and, and like specifically hunting like fresh sign I could find and, and scouting my way in. And it's, it's an art that's, it's not dying, but it's kind of getting forgotten about because now it's, you know, scrapes, cell cameras and all those other things, but they're still, you know, being a woodsman is kind of knowing strengthen up your whole game, you know, like just don't rely on your camera or don't rely on your data last year. If you're coming in there, it's like, man, this place is hot. I'm going to set it. You know, you don't need to put a camera there, like hunt it see what the deer are doing. You know, it's a big track, big tracks equal a big body deer might not be what you're looking for antler wise. It could be, you know, a hundred deer, but a 200 pound deer in the hoof or 250, that, that's a good size deer, you know, in some States. So, you know, hunt big tracks, it's, you know, and you can take the tracks with the camera data, you know, and what you're seeing be what you need to see, you know, what, what you need to have to kill a deer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, hunting in new york last year that's why it was so much fun to me was just like i had no cameras no anything and and i'm not saying i i like using cameras a lot and it's a big part of my thing but it's also fun to just like literally go into an area and just go off the sign you're seeing and the stuff you know you know when i went in i was like okay i got there in the morning and it was already you know after daylight by the time i drove up there i'm like okay I'm going to use the downward thermals before they switch. I'm going to go yep. up this little valley, get to the top. By the time I get up there, it's going to switch, and I'll just work my way down these benches yep. and just look for sign and ended up finding that younger deer feeding there and yep. snuck in and shot him. But it was just like – it was fun to just read what the what the sign's throwing at you there. And that's too, like, like speaking of Johnny, like his tracking deer in the snow, like late season, like that you can learn so much by watching – how deer walk in the snow. Like I don't have that luxury. We don't get a lot of snow here. So I don't really get that luxury of falling deer in the snow. You know, and when we do, I'll, I always make sure I'm out in the woods because you can learn so much by watching how deer just walk, you know, naturally without no pressure, you know, like no escape routes, just see how they browse going over stuff. And, you know, you do that year in, year out, like you can pick up a lot of intel and how deer just move naturally through a section of woods. You're like, this is very similar terrain. You go to New York or somewhere, you're like, wait a minute, I've hunted a place like this. And these deer do this. So I'm going to employ the same tactics over here. And usually you can find deer that way. Yeah, definitely. Man, I want to, I want to spend more time with Johnny late season time, like just following him around in the woods. Locking it up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It'd be a blast. (laughs) I want to go with him to Iowa sometime. That'd be, that'd be fun watching him in that that variety. It'd be unfair. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) You and and John and Iowa late season. It's like, sorry, deer, you're going to die. I don't know about me, but him for sure. <laughs> oh man. Well, Greg, I, I think we made it through like 25% of the questions, um, that I even, <laughs> that I even went like, and I even cut it down the list and I, I will say everyone asked, there were some really good questions in there and a lot of them you just naturally spit out of your mouth. So I didn't even have to ask them, but, <laughs> so that's good, a, but there's a lot of I'm good I'm a spitter, questions. not a swallower. <laughs> Oh, that'll be on your next bow hunting fiend shirt. Um, <laughs> no, Greg, thank you so much, man, for coming on yeah, man. and talking. Pleasure. Hopefully, hopefully you get to make it to Pennsylvania again this year. Yes. We get to hang out, come to camp, 
just uh, I I always look forward to it. So yeah, I think because Clint's trying to get me to go up to the Poconos for bear. He's got you know he's on some bears uh, up in the Poconos. I'm gonna shoot a bear with my bow, and uh, so if I do buy a PA tag, I'll I'll probably come up like the. I think I got whatever the, the first two weeks of November, so I could probably come up like the November fifth, a couple of days after that. And that seems to be when I I see yep. good deer activity up there anyway. Like yeah, November fifth, my 5th favorite on. week right there, dude. That's like a small little three or four day window where the bucks seem to be, uh, you know, moving a lot. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Let everyone know where they can find out some stuff. You've been throwing out some. You've been you've been jamming out the YouTube videos here in the last like Fine, yeah. six eight months. I think you've been definitely yeah. you know jumping that up. And so give you know your YouTube channel, your IG, everything else yeah. there. Yeah, uh, bow hunting team. You know YouTube, Instagram. That's uh, find all my. I used to film a lot of my hunts. Um, getting back into it again, so I'll be filming more this year. Um, I kind of miss filming. You know, filming deer was said nobody ever pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I seem to have more success when I film myself film because it keeps me from making mistakes. Cause it's like, I'll focus on like, all right, I, that deer's coming. Let me grab my bow and get ready. I don't need to look at the deer and go, well, that's a really big deer. You know, I can get lost in the moment. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, YouTube, Instagram, check it out. If you want some good laughs, there's some funny stuff in there. You know, I make fun of myself quite a lot. So, it's not all serious. No, I love it. I love watching your videos and breaking down the the, the spots. I I watch everyone that you put out, and and I always enjoy mm-hmm. the podcast you do with Clint and everybody else. So you yeah. you search Greg Litzinger or Bow Hunting Fiend, you'll find a whole bunch of information yeah. out there from the last thirty years of hunting. So you look good for forty five. I'll, I'll tell you that. I moisturize. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's the filter. <laughs> Don't let it away. That's just a filter. It's the Instagram filter. <laughs> yeah, you put you put those filters on so everything's just you yes. Know, perfect. You're like, wow, he looks young. Me and mom like all gray. Like we were on vacation. Like my stepdaughter, she's like, your beard is so gray. I was like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, she goes, you should shave that off. I was like, thanks. I guess I'll just shave that off. She's like, that just looks disgusting. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Thank Kids you. Are great. I Love appreciate them. that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh yeah thanks for having me on man appreciate it yeah no i appreciate you coming on buddy thanks so much for listening to this episode of east meets west hunt with your host bo martonic for more great content and to stay up to date visit eastmeetswesthunt.com facebook at east meets west outdoors and instagram at east meets west hunt if you enjoyed today's episode please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time